Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. We're in a vision series as a church called Only God, where we're discovering that the plans and the dreams that we have for our lives are often small compared to what God desires to do in and through us. Enjoy the message. Um, I love getting to be here. This is my third time back uh, at Soma, and I'm just glad that y'all welcomed me back, you know. It's, it's cool. It's a little, it's, uh, so I feel comfortable. I'm like, man, this is my family. Like, this is my home away from home from Birmingham and Hickory, North Carolina. You know, like, we, I feel like our, my people get your people. Like, we, we are one of the same. Um, maybe not in the football category, but I'm um, just kidding. God, praying for the Tar Heels. Any Tar Heel fans? Um, may the Lord bless you. Uh, I, I, I love, <laughs> sorry, I probably shouldn't have mentioned that. Um, we're in a great series here at Soma, Only God, where we're going through the book of Acts. And hopefully, I would encourage you, if you aren't already, follow along. Like in, in the week leading up to services, I hope that you're diving even more so into the book of Acts. It's a thick book. There's a lot in there, powerful stories, a lot of great teaching, so much that's applicable to what we're doing in the church. And honestly, one of my favorite things about the book of Acts is that the more and more crazy our world gets, the more and more persecution that the church faces, the more and more alive this book becomes. This, this book is written in the height of Christian adversity, Christian persecution, where people were literally being killed for their faith left and right. And so as, as our world kind of gets away from us, as the world becomes less and less Christian, Acts becomes even more applicable to our lives. So I love this. I love the book. The book is called The Acts of the Apostles. So in this series, we have this, we know that only God can do what only God can do. But the way he chooses to do these things is through his apostles. It is through his church. You are an active participant in what God wants to do and what God wants to accomplish on this earth. So yes, only God, God's going to use you. God does a great work in you so that he can work through you. That's what God's doing. So in your first week, we, we realize that we're only able to participate in this. We're only able to be part of the mission of God only because of Jesus and what he has done. But the fact that Jesus died and rose again means that we have a part to play. And then not only that, when we feel like we're powerless, when we feel like we don't have what it takes to do what God's asking us to do, he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit, which resides in us. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. So we are able to do what he's asking us to do far beyond what we think we could do or deserve to do. So cool. And then um, a couple weeks ago, you get introduced to this main, one of the main characters in the book of Acts, who, his name is Saul. He gets later called Paul, the Apostle Paul. And, and you see him in the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. You see his incredible conversion in Acts chapter 9. And so today we're going to go back to Paul where we see him begin his missionary journey. The rest of the book of Acts is kind of dedicated to, to Paul. In the last week, you talked about the power of prayer. Your prayers matter. You, we saw how God worked in a mighty way in Peter's life because other people were praying for Peter. And I can't wait till one day when we get to heaven, we get to see and know 
what prayers were lifted up on our behalf. I have no idea how I got here. <laughs> I'm going to let you know something. I do not deserve to be up here. There's some crazy people that pray for me. I know my mom, my sweet flower, precious angel, Tammy, my mama. She was in her closet dabbing those tears and praying for me. And I'm only here because of her prayers. I'm only here because of the prayers of my dad. I'm only here because of the prayers of people that I've never met in my life, but I know they were praying for me. You were only here in this room, not because of your own power, your own might, your own self-will, whatever. You were here because somebody prayed you here. I promise you. I can't wait till we get to heaven and see the prayers that were answered on our behalf. And on the topic of prayer, hey, so last time I was here, I introduced you to my family, my beautiful wife, Katie. We've been married for seven years now, so we've got it figured out. Um, not at all, <laughs> not at all. And then I've got, uh, we've got our beautiful son, amazing son, fun, five-year-old Rhett. He's my man. I love that dude. And then we got Charlotte, my two-year-old. We call her Sharky. There's my girl, yep. So last time I was here, I let y'all know about a little problem we were having with Charlotte and that um, she's a biter. And um, my son was bit one time and that was it. My daughter Charlotte is, um, I'll let you know, I'm like, hey, please be praying for Charlotte as we parent her, as we help her get over the biting thing. And this was her first time in her new big girl bed. So she's out of the crib and in her big girl, big girl bed. And that's just the way she is. Like, that girl is just wild and ready to go. And I, she's sweet, cuddly. She's a daddy's girl. She loves me to death. But um, so this week, literally this week, she moved up. We didn't get kicked out of daycare, thank God. We haven't gotten kicked out. Um, but this week, we went up in classes from, like, explorers to beginners, or whatever names, cute names they decided to do for toddlers. Um, and in her first two days in this daycare, she bit some of her friends. And I don't know what she's doing. I feel like she's just living her own godfather fantasy. Like she's just like, I'm the, I am the godfather and you come to me <laughs> on the day of my daughter's wedding. Like she is ready to go. She's like, I'm establishing some dominance. She's got her own little ring going on or something. I don't know what's happening with her. Um, but honestly, the reason that she's biting, I think it's because of you. It's your fault because you didn't pray. So I'm asking you, um, <laughs> it's not my parenting, it's your fault. <laughs> uh, but y'all be praying for little Charlotte, little Sharky, and pray for us parents because I don't know what the heck to do. And, um, but we were praying and believing in a great and powerful God to do something in our lives. But yeah, she's the best. I love, I love my little girl. And on the topic of prayer, let's pray because y'all, I need Jesus. And Father, oh man, you're so good. So much better than I deserve. I thank you that we get to be here in church today. I thank you that in worship, that your presence rested in here. Lord, we welcome you here. We're so thankful that we get to be in the presence of Almighty Living God. Thank you for bringing us here. And God, I ask that you would speak into the hearts and the minds of the people here today. Use these words. Don't, I hope they wouldn't see me, but they would hear your words. And their lives would be more and more transformed, more and more like you for your glory and your kingdom and your fame. It's in the mighty and precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, question for you guys. How many of you would I, I self-identify as I am an early bird? Any early birds? Who's like, I mean, I like to get up early in the morning. Morning is my jam. Hate y'all. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, how many of you hate those people too? And you're like, man, I'm a night owl. Like, I don't get morning people. Night owls, where you're at? More so in the front row. Makes sense. Um, cool. But good for y'all for being in the front row. Proud of y'all. Let's go. Um, how many of you are like, it don't matter if it's morning or night. I'm still tired. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. Um, how many of you, when you're tired, you are a completely different person? Anybody? When you're tired, you're a completely different person. All right. Um, that's my wife, Katie. Uh, 
she's not here today, so I can say this. Um, she, between the hours of 8.47 p.m. and before her first cup of coffee in the morning, I don't know her. I didn't marry her. Like, that is not, like, I don't know who that person is. Honestly, if she dies in those hours, I'm not fully convinced she's going to heaven. Like, that's, that is a, <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you, that's what, that is the way it, way it is. And um, I've told her that before, and she doesn't love me, but I tell her that before 8.47 p.m. Um, so y'all pray for Katie, but uh, I, I am a night owl. I don't get morning people. I've never been a morning person. Now that I have kids, I don't have a choice. I got to get up or my kids die. So I got, I have to wake up. Um, but my mom, when we were growing up, I would set my alarm, but that snooze button was a real thing. And so my mom said that we would be on time for school. And with five kids, you, you, know, you got to keep the schedule going. She would wake us up in the morning and I couldn't stand. I hated the way that my mama woke us up. She'd flip on the lights. She'd turn off the fan. I, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a box fan person. I need some loud noises in there. Get that air. Amen. Exactly right. That's the presence of God through that fan. Um, it, it flows in the room. makes you feel good. It sounds good. You don't wake up in storm. It's just the best. But she turns off the fan, turns on the light, and she would start singing. You know, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. I'm like, Mom, I'm about to give you something else. Like, I, I'm not about to give anybody the glory on this day. So, um, and then I would always quote some verse of Proverbs that says that a loud morning in the, a loud greeting in the morning shall be treated as a curse, but she still continues. So, but whatever. Um, but I believe, <laughs> I believe today, this morning at the 945 service here at Soma, that the Lord is turning on the lights He's turning off the fan. He's turning off some of the distractions. He's removed you from distractions and placed you in this room. And he's saying, hey, church, rise and shine. And give me the glory, glory. It's time. The title of this message is it's time to get up. It's time to get up. And we're going to look at a story in Acts chapter 14 about a couple people who got up and got to work. It's time to get up. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 8. But the context of this is that, like I said, the book of Acts is divided really into kind of two halves, um, give or take. The first 12 chapters of the book of Acts are primarily dedicated to the apostle Peter and his mission and ministry to the Jews, with some exceptions. The last 16 chapters are dedicated to the apostle Paul and his missionary journeys, and what he accomplished in all of Asia, and, his, and those reasons, all of his travels, all the different churches that he built and established and encouraged. And so Acts chapter 13 is the beginning of his first missionary journey. That's where he and Barnabas and another apostle named John, sometimes called Mark, um, they begin their ministry journey. It's about 10 years after Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. So he's been growing. He's been being built in his church. He's helped establish the church in Antioch and Syria. And the Lord decides to call him to this ministry journey that would cover 1,500 miles without a Tesla, without any kind of airplane. Like this man traveled 1,500 miles over the span of two years, reached several cities in Cyprus and modern-day Turkey. This is, and in this first missionary journey is where we see the first a miracle performed by Paul is the first recorded sermon that we ever get to hear from Paul. And things in the church, in his church back at home in Antioch, they're going great. 
there's great teachers there now. There's a, everyone in the city is kind of coming to the Lord. And so Paul decided, hey, it's time to get outside of the comfort zone of your church. Time to go out because the rest of the world needs this message. And finally, for the first time, the message isn't just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. It's for everybody. And thank God we get to live in a reality where you don't have to be Jewish. You don't have to be from a certain family. You get to belong to the, to the family of God because of Jesus. That's the good news that Paul got to preach. And here's the cycle. So he would go to a city. He would go to a lot of different cities. When he'd stop there, he'd typically try to find a synagogue to go teach. So he'd go to the Jewish temple. And when given the opportunity to preach, he preached. He brought a great word about Jesus and the fact that people got to belong to the kingdom of God. And left and right, Jews and Gentiles in droves came to listen to Paul and received the Holy Spirit. They, they became saved. It was miraculous. And they would be like, man, we want you to teach more on the next Sabbath. Come back. But between Sabbath to Sabbath, word got out that there was some crazy teaching going on. This, this man named Paul and Barnabas, that they were saving and rescuing people. The Jewish leaders did not like that. Not one bit. So what they would do, so he, when he started in, in Antioch, in a different Antioch, Antioch in um, um, Presidia, and then in Iconium and different places, as he would stop, the Jewish leadership would say, hey, Paul, you got to get out of here. And they would literally exile him. They would kick him out of the city. Then the next city he stopped in, in Iconium, not only did they tell him to get out, but they threatened his life, saying, if you don't leave, we're going to stone you. In fact, they devised some plans to go ahead. Hey, tomorrow morning, we're going to stone Paul. And Paul heard of this ahead of time and was able to get out of Iconium. So here we are. So the cycle was preach, crazy life transformation, salvations, death threats, leave. That was the cycle for Paul. Then we get to Lystra, and this is where our story picks up. The cycle is going to continue, but we get to see an interesting story that happens in verse 8. It says, in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He's been sick his whole entire life. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him in his eyes saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up, get up, stand up on your feet. At that, for the first time in his life ever, the man jumped up and began to walk. Miracle. And you better believe when the people saw that, they could not believe what had just happened. And I know if any of you are like me, and you have experienced the power and the presence of Jesus, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are like this lame man that once I was blind, once I couldn't walk, once I was on my own, once I was going my own way, but for whatever reason, God saw fit to come see me. God saw fit to send his son for me. And because of Jesus, man, my life is different. I've been transformed. I've been made new. I am no longer the same person. The old me is gone. The new me is here. Man, what a great, what a miracle that we get to have, just like this lame man got up and walked, we are able, because of Jesus, to get up and walk. All of us, at one point or another, if we've accepted Jesus, have experienced this miracle of life transformation. And maybe you've even experienced the miracle of physical healing or witnessed the, the miracle of physical healing. My life, I've had physical healing in my life. When I was born, at two weeks old, I was diagnosed with spinal meningitis and was not supposed to live beyond that. And thank God I wasn't there. I don't remember that, but thank God, but there are people in our church that prayed for me. They're, my parents were obviously God-fearing, God-believing 
parents, and they prayed for me, and I'm here today because of a miracle in my life at two weeks old. So I'm fully confident. And for those of us that have been changed by Jesus, we are fully confident. Man, Jesus is real. God is real. He can do miracles. So we know that. For those of us who have gotten up out of the bed, who've been, who've been rescued, we, know, we have this core belief that I know that the living God does miracles. I know it. I am convinced of it. Nobody that has an argument can convince me of it because I've experienced it. I know. I know. Listen, I don't care what y'all say. I know. <laughs> I know that the living, my God does miracles because he's done a miracle in my life. But when God does the miracle in your life, the world freaks out. They don't know how to respond to your life change. They don't even know. They're, they're going to try to make it make sense. Let's continue in the story. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, a language which Paul and Barnabas probably couldn't understand. They had no idea what they were saying. Later they found out that they were saying, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, this big, strong jack dude, they called Zeus. And Paul, they called Hermes. Maybe he was a little scrawny and weak, but he, had, he could speak really good. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they're like, whoa, why, why y'all bring the bulls? Don't do that. We, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you, why are you doing this? We, we're just human. We are like you. All we're doing is just bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things these gods that can do nothing for you and turn to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. And even when they were going all their own way, he himself was not without testimony. Your whole life, even before you knew him, even before you knew he existed, he was pouring out his kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He has provided you with plenty of food and he fills your heart with joy. And even with these words, he's trying to say, hey, that miracle was awesome, but that's not even been your miracle. Your miracle has been the fact that God has always shown his kindness to you. He's always desired a relationship with you. He's always called you to himself. That, that's the miracle. That's the news we're trying to tell you. Not this, this miracle is great, but that's the, that's the real miracle. Even with these words, though, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. I love the, the response of these Gentiles, these sweet, precious people who have no idea what's happened. They're just trying to make it make sense. So there's a legend in Lystra. So years ago, they had this belief that years ago, the, God, the Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes, came down from Mount Olympus and came to the city of Lystra, but in the form of human beings, not looking like their godly form. While they were there, nobody showed them any kind of kindness. Nobody showed, opened up their house to them. Nobody fed them, except for this elderly couple that welcomed them into their home. And in Zeus's great anger and wrath, he decided to flood the entire city, kill everybody. And then um, he, cre he made the elderly couple trees outside of, I don't know why trees, but they were okay with that. They were the trees outside of the temple of Zeus. And so when the, when the city of Lystra saw this miracle, they're like, okay, it's two people. They're doing some pretty cool things. Maybe this is Zeus and Hermes, and God knows we're. In, I, I'm not trying to die today, so let's go ahead and worship them now, just in case they are these gods. And so they were when they saw the miracle, they were even more convinced that these were the gods. They were just trying to make it make sense. 
And Paul's trying to calm them down, be like, listen, it's not, it is not me. Trust me, it's not me. It's the living God. And the world, when you experience life transformation, when your world gets better, when you have that financial breakthrough, when you get up out of that bed, you're, you're healed in your physical body, your emotional state gets better, when God does his transforming work inside of you, the world is going to try to convince you that's not God, that's you. They're going to try to convince you that's not God, that's a therapist. That's not God, that's a great doc. You must have a great doctor. That's not God, that's your job. And Paul would here, be here today saying, hey, do not place your confidence in any man. It is God alone who provides the miracle. God alone. And I love the fact that they call God the living God. He's not something that needs, that, some former thing that needs to be worshipped. He is the current thing. He is the only thing. God is the only one. Today, he is living and active today. He deserves our praise and our worship and our glory. So when you're here at SOMA, man, you've got, I think, one of the best pastors in the history of the world. Don't y'all love Pastor Michael? He's one of the best pastors. Yes, amen. He, he's, he's the best. He ain't that good, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, your life, I love you. He's not that good. God decided to work in him, and because God decided to work in him, he's able to use Pastor Michael to work through him. He's great. He's not that good. It is only God. It is only God. You're there. I actually love counseling. I went to counseling. I love counseling. I'm a huge fan of my counselor. I love that man. But I know that God's working in my counselor and working through him. It is only, it's not him that's revealing the hearts of, trying to help me untangle my mind. It's, it is God who's helping me. Doctors are great. We have the modern miracle of medicine, but it is God who's working it out in our bodies. God provided the miracle. God provided the way. We got to give all the credit, all the glory, all the honor to the one true living God. So if you've forgotten, or maybe you've experienced some greatness in your life or something great's been going on, hey, make sure that you're giving all the glory, credit, and praise to the living God. We know, I know that he's the living God. But when people start saying to you, hey, it's your therapist, you're like, no, it's not my therapist, I promise you. It's not my self-will or motivation, I promise you. It's actually God working inside of me. And you reject their way of thinking, then there's resistance. They're like, okay. They kind of get mad at you. Let's continue in the story. Verse 19, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. So these cities that he had already been to, they're trying to find Paul and get him before he starts creating some other messes in other cities throughout the modern day Turkey. And won the crowd over, the same crowd, in this the world, the same crowd that was worshiping them, ready to sacrifice bulls to them. That same crowd within a week turned around and wanted to stone him. They actually not just wanted to, they did stone him. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up. Man, this is crazy. He went back into the city. The same place that rejected him, the same place that stoned him, he went back into the city. And then that next day, he, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Here, we don't know really if Paul died. We're not totally convinced of that. However, um, stoning was a normal form of execution back then. So I would think if the people, the religious leaders were very convinced that Paul was dead, I like to think he probably was dead. If not, that man was gone, like out cold, so much so that they were able to just drag his body outside of the city. And the only time, the only time he was able to get up was because a few men and women decided to get around that man and pray for him. So yes, I know that God is the miracle working God. I know that the living God does miracles, but also I know, and you need to be convinced of that, I know that I need the church. I know 
I need the church. These are, in this room, this is, these are your brothers and your sisters. You need the person to your left and to your right. You need the person that's behind you singing way too loud. You need the person in front of you that looks like they're doing the most. You need everybody. We need, we need each other. We need the church because when the, when the enemy gets witness, when he sees a miracle happen, he's going to do everything in his power to shut that miracle down, to, to, spread, to stop the spread of its impact. Stop the spread of his influence. When God does a miracle in your life, he's going to try to shut you down. He's going to put some predictable resistance in your path to get you to stop, to, get you to, to keep you in your bed, to keep you down in your sin, to keep you down in your depression or your anxiety. He's going to do anything he can to keep you down. So the only way, the only way you're going to be able to get up is through people. Could God do it on his own? Yes, absolutely. And he has done it on his own. But for whatever reason, God chooses to use his church. You know, this is, this, you're in a church at Soma, but this is the church. You are part of God's design to help people continue to get up and get back to work. You are part of the solution. And you need to operate this church. You need other people in this church to help get around you, to help you get up and get back to work. When I was, when I was um, studying this passage, for the first time, I was like, God, if you were always going to do a miracle, why didn't you just stop the stoning? Why didn't you just protect Paul from the rocks? Why did that, those suckers have to hit him so hard that it knocked him out? Pretty much, I'm sure, broke things, caused well, probably brain injuries, and he was at least knocked out cold, probably dead. Why did that have to happen? And I believe that God did that specifically in Lystra because the people already thought the power was Paul. The power was never in just Paul. The power's in the church. It was in the disciples. Paul did not have some magical access to God's power. He had the, that access to God's power is in the church. It's in one another. So God decided to not use, make Paul the center of the miracle. He used the church, the disciples around him, as the center of the miracle. You cannot do this on your own. So if I'm going to encourage you to do anything, you've heard this a thousand times before, I'm, be I'm begging you, I'm begging you, please join a small group. If you have not surrounded yourself with other men and women who think like you, who believe like you, who are Christians like you, you're, you're, you're going to be like that one, that one animal that's outside of the herd, that the lion who's prowling around seeking whom he may devour, he's going after the one that's by himself. So in my, in my, in my story, my wife and I um, went through some pretty crazy stuff because of bad decisions on my, on my part. We were separated for four months, and, which is wild. And I would like to tell you that we got back together because I decided to be a better person or I, my, my will decided all of a sudden to kick in and I was a better human being. And yes, God did a transforming work inside of me, but God intentionally placed people in my life to help coach me, lift me up, be there for me when I thought I was disgusting and, de and depraved and worthless. And he encouraged me with some people. And for my wife who was dejected and hurt and traumatized, he placed some people in her life saying, hey, this is, not, this is not eternity. They encouraged her. They, they helped push us back together in our marriage. And my marriage, I promise, I promise you, I promise you, is here today because of a small group. For the first time, I've been in ministry my whole life, and for the first time in my life, my wife and I, for the past three years, we've been in a, we've been in a marriage small group and just attend. We never lead it. We just sit and listen to our leaders, and they pour into us, and we are surrounded by other couples 
that can know what's going on in our lives. They see what's going on in our lives. And I, I'd like to tell you that over the past three years, it's been nothing but angels and rainbows and butterflies, but it hasn't. And they were there for us. They, when we needed it, they circled around us and prayed for us. When they needed it, we were part of the circle praying for them. I am begging you, I'm begging you, do not do it alone. There are no loners in Christianity. You cannot do it. You won't do it. And the devil will win every single time. Please get in a group. If, if nothing else, if, if you're, maybe you can't get in a group today, but you need people, I'm, before you leave church today, tell somebody, like, hey, you didn't ask me, but I need you to pray for me. Uh, here's the situation that I'm going through. Here's the physical sickness in my body. Here's the marital issue that I'm having. Here's the kid that's gone off that I'm so worried about and have no idea what to do. I've got Charlotte, like, can y'all please pray for Sharky? Like, some, I, like I need people in my corner circling around me because I'm not good enough on my own. Include people in the process. And also, can you, can, Soma, can you please be the church that when somebody says, hey, hey, I need you to pray for this, actually pray for it? How many of you know the person that's like, hey, I'm praying for you? I'm like, no, you're not. Well, maybe you are, and I'm judging. But it feels like maybe you're not. And they say, I'm praying for you, but never do. Don't let that be true of you. If I say I'm going to pray for you, dang it, I'm praying for you. So I know that God works miracles. I know that I need the church. And even in the middle of what seems like a hopeless situation, I know that my life is already a miracle. I know my life is already a miracle. Maybe you're sitting in this room thinking, man, I, I desperately need a miracle. <laughs> my financial situation is hopeless. My marriage is falling apart right before my eyes. My kids have rejected me. They've rejected God. My, my body is sick. I just, I can't get out of bed even if I wanted to. Maybe some of you, you need the miracle of will. Like I, I would serve God, but honestly, I just don't want to. <laughs> I'm okay with coming to church. I barely got up here today. And they've been asking me for, for forever to join a dream team or do something and, or give or whatever. And I, I, honestly, I just don't want to. And you need a miracle in your life. But while you're waiting for your earthly miracle, you need to be fully convinced that the miracle has already happened. I am fully convinced that the earthly miracle may not have happened yet, but the eternal one has. Because of Jesus, I get to carry an eternal miracle. So even while he was battered and bruised, he had just experienced a miracle. And when he got up, because he experienced the miracle, because Paul knew what he was carrying, he was able to get up and go back and face the same fears, face the same haters, face the same people that stoned him. He was able to preach the gospel, Acts 20, 14, 21 says, they preached the gospel in Derby and won a large number of disciples because they decided to get back up and face their fears, face their traumas, face the things that were holding them back and, and reject that. They, they were also able to return to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith, saying, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. If you want to enter the kingdom of God, if you want to make a difference, it's gonna, you're going to have to go through some trials. But the good thing is you're going to go through them. You're not going to stay in them because of Jesus. You will go through them. Twelve years later, after Paul gets stoned in Lystra, and I hate that I'm saying this, but, you know, not this kind of stone, but, you know, with rocks. My dad does that joke all the time, and I'm so mad I did that. I'm not, that's so stupid. <laughs> that's embarrassing. Oh. He, he, after having been stoned, after having gone through all these trials and tribulations, 
12 years later, he reminded the church, he said, hey, let me tell you how I got through this. Let me tell you how I got through this hard situation. Let me tell you how I got up out of the bed. I realized something. Second Corinthians four. I have this treasure in a jar of clay. You know who the jar of clay is? You. <laughs> I'm a jar of clay. And if you know a jar of clay, they are brittle, easily broken, not good to look at. I'm not saying that y'all aren't good to look at, you know what I'm saying? But you're just a jar of clay. I tell my, the pastor's kids that I get to teach to, the, the students at Highlands College, I'm like, hey, I love you to death, but guess what? You're not special. You are a jar of clay. The only thing special about you is what's inside, it's the treasure. You are a jar of clay. And this thing that should be easily broken, this thing that should be easily smashed, when you're hard pressed on every side, you're not gonna be crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because we always, everywhere that we go, we carry in our bodies the death of Jesus and also the resurrected life of Jesus. So no matter where I go, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what situation I'm facing, no matter what haters are in my path, I'm not crushed. It may hurt a little bit, but I've got Jesus. I'm carrying a miracle. I may not feel qualified to give the miracle. I may not feel qualified to do anything in my situation. I may not feel, I don't mean I have the words to say, but I carry something great. You may not be the greatest theologian that's ever hit the earth. You may have just come to Jesus, but you know what you carry right to, here today? You carry the power of Jesus. So wherever you go, you are the source of the miracle. You carry, you carry the miracle. Therefore, because we're carrying Jesus, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and moment, it doesn't feel light. It does not feel momentary. I'm sure being stoned does not feel light at all or momentary. But these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far as I weighs them all. What's the eternal glory? The fact that the kingdom of God is being built. The kingdom of God is being advanced. People's lives are being changed because you decided to get up. You decided to get out of your situation. You decided to not let that thing hold you back. You got up, you prayed for that person. You reached out to that person. You circled around that church member that desperately needed your prayers. You got up and that's achieving for you an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So how do we do this? We fix, we fix our eyes, not on what is happening on this earth, not on what is seen, but what is unseen because what is seen is temporary. It's gonna fade away, but what's unseen is eternal. And church, I'm here to tell you today, I don't know what you're facing. I know what I face and I'm fully convinced of the living God that does miracles. You can get up and it's time to get up. Stop resisting, (laughs) stop doubting, stop living in shame. That's the devil trying to keep you down. It's time, it's time. Rise and shine, give God the glory glory. It's time to get up. All across this room, would you bow your heads? I want to pray for a couple people. The first group of people are those of you, you've got Jesus, you've got the hope of heaven, but the enemy has come at you harder than you think is fair or deserved. And you're tired. Or maybe you've just been resisting God for a long time and 
you accept him as Lord, but for whatever reason, you can't find the motivation to get up and, and do what you know God's asked you to do. Or maybe you feel directionless, you don't know what to do. Maybe a physical burden or physical sickness, a financial situation has held you back, but you're ready to get back in the game. If that's you, I want you to open up your hands before the Lord. Just open your hands right there in your lap. And I wanna pray over you. Father, in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done. I thank you, God, we call on you. We get to call on you as our miracle worker, as our God. Father, right now, I pray for the church. I pray for Soma. Lord, would you work in them a mighty miracle? I pray that you'd help them get up out of their bed. For those of them that are dejected or cast down, for those of them that feel crushed, for those of them that are persecuted, for those of them that are trying to find the will, the motivation to even get up out of bed in the morning, I pray that you would surround them with your Holy Spirit, comfort them in their time of need, surround them with godly men and women and help them to get up out of the bed. And God, I pray that as you do, the situation on earth may not be solved, but I thank you that you are achieving in them an eternal glory that far outweighs every single thing that they are going through. Be the lift. I thank you, God, that you're the lifter of our head and the banner of victory over the enemy and his schemes. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the life. Thank you for the the life change that's happening because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. Thank you, God, for the miracle. And maybe there's some of you in this room that, man, I've never even experienced the, the miracle of life change. My life is the exact same place it's always been. And I'm sick and tired of living this way. I've tried my own way. I've gone my own way. I've always returned void. And I don't even know why in the world I showed up to church this morning. But today, I know that my response, the thing that I need to do, I'm ready to try something different. I, I, wanna, I want to give my life totally and completely to Jesus. If that's you and you're tired of going your own way, and today you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hand to make Jesus the Lord of your life. One, two, three. Raise your hands. Awesome, awesome, good, 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 good. Great. Praise God. Anybody else? All right. Well, Father, I thank you for these men and women that have chosen you today. God, thank you for saving them. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I need you. I'm so tired of going my own way. But today, I repent of my sins. I turn away from those and I turn to you. I make Jesus my Savior, but more than that, I make him the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come fill me. Make me brand new. And for the rest of my life, I will follow and serve Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, help me celebrate those people that just made Jesus their Lord. And let's worship together.